afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Zivikowski trying to get to the outside. He has blockers in front. Time for Zivikowski. Belong to beat. Shakes it off. To the five and touchdown. And now it is down. It is over. And the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Brady Quinn looking. Pump fakes. He rolls to the near side. Throws it. It's caught by Samaja. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. He's going in. Notre Dame has scored. Jones is the back. He's got it again. And Jones a letter room. Tony Jones makes a cut. Gets a block. And scores. Is that the play that will seal the playoff bid for Fighting Irish? All right. Emergency podcast number two of the week. Um, hi, everybody, and welcome to Sons of Saturday Irish. I'm Tyler Wojak, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Luke Smith. And what a day it has been. Um, just two days after Notre Dame's all-time winningest coach, Brian Kelly, announced that he would be leaving his post to become the new head football coach at LSU, Bruce Feldman of The Athletic reported on Wednesday that defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman will be promoted to become the new head coach of the Fighting Irish football team. But prior to that announcement, a friend of the program, Matt Fortuna, also of The Athletic, reported that Tommy Reese was going to stay on as the offensive coordinator. Reese confirmed the news on Twitter himself by quote-tweeting a video of the speech he gave to the team when he informed them of his intentions to stay, and it's awesome. Take a listen to it here. It's on Twitter. Oh, uh, I just wanted to let you guys have it in person. Okay? And I love you guys. I love this place. I believe that we can win a national championship here. And I'm committed to doing everything we can to get to that point. I know it's been a hell of a week for you guys. It's been a hell of a week for a lot of us that are part of this place. But um, this is where my heart is. My heart's with you guys. I care too much to leave this place. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to win a national championship. Look, if that doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what will. Um, Pretty much from the moment Kelly's move was announced, current players on the Irish roster started voicing their support for Marcus Freeman to become the head coach to really... Anybody who would listen, it was all over Twitter. There were also a ton of recruits who posted similar support for Freeman, and even some former players who never even played for the guy, like Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa and Jalen Elliott. They voiced their support for Freeman as well. Then on Wednesday, as information started to leak surrounding Freeman's promotion, Notre Dame quarterbacks Tyler Buckner, Drew Pine, and other current players tweeted out the hashtag PayTommyReese, suggesting Reese's status with the team was still uncertain, but now it is official. Marcus Freeman is going to be the new head football coach at Notre Dame just 11 months after he was hired from Cincinnati to be the defensive coordinator. He hasn't even been here a whole year, but I don't really know what else you could say. This week has been absolute chaos. We're recording this at 10.40 p.m. Eastern to provide our instant reaction. So official word and more information from the university is likely to come out in the coming hours and days. But we're just so excited. We wanted to talk about it, and here we are. Luke, that was a lot off the top, but I think I just about covered it. <laughs> I think you did. Um, what a day. What a week. What a season. You think back on all the twists and turns of this season. If you told me this three days ago, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, my God, we here we are. I, I don't really know what to say. I'm sure we'll say a lot. But, uh, yeah, we went from being about as downtrodden as we've been since probably, I don't know, 2016 before that to about as excited as I've been about this football program since we beat Clemson last year. So it's uh, 
it has truly been just like, I, this is what addiction is. Like, this is all you were following all week, and the highs and lows you're feeling from it are just unbelievable. True. The peaks and valleys of this week have been absurd. And honestly, I'm just so excited for this to be almost over so that my productivity at work can improve, my overall sanity can improve. I won't be looking at my phone so much. I'm honestly petrified to see my screen report from Apple when they see it after this week. I might not even look at it because it's it's going to be disgusting. I'm constantly looking at it. I can't take my mind off it. I haven't been sleeping well. Like you said, it's a full-on addiction. I'm sure we're not the only ones who have felt this way the past couple of days. The Brian Kelly News blindsided us. It blindsided administrators. It blindsided the players. It blindsided everyone. But now, not only has the fan base been galvanized, the guys in the roster look super excited. Um, you could see it in that Tommy Reese video. I encourage everyone to go watch it. There's just a new energy around this team that, honestly, like I'm, I'm speechless. Like I don't even know what to say, really, because it's been so impressive. And it gets you really excited. And that's not where we were just a couple days ago. It feels like we won a playoff game. And we're not even sure that we're going to make the playoff. But we might, somehow. We might, um, like, man. I, I just don't know. But... Yeah, this is incredible, and uh, the more and more news that flows in about seemingly everyone on staff staying in South Bend and none of them following Brian Kelly to Baton Rouge, the just more unbelievable this week becomes. Truly, and a note on that. As we are recording right now, Mike Elson, the current Notre Dame defensive line coach, just tweeted, quote, Notre Dame is home, 12 years and counting. Let's ride, fellas, end quote. So wow. it appears that he's going to be staying on the staff. Wow is right. That's a guy who has been with Brian Kelly every year since 2004 at Central Michigan. Right. I mean, he's <laughs> Kelly's guy. Like, he's yeah. stuck around. Guys have jumped him, and he stood right by him, but he's sticking with Notre Dame. I think at the end, right, he was the only guy on Kelly's last staff who was on his first staff at Notre Dame. That's correct. And he's staying with the team. We got a report from good friend Mike Singer that Lance Taylor, the running backs coach, he's supposed to be staying with the team. It doesn't really look like anyone's leaving. Now, again, some guys could leave. I mean, Brian Polian is the first name that comes to my mind because he's been one of Kelly's guys going way back. Jeff Quinn, same dude. I don't think he's going with Kelly. I've seen him as a front runner for some head coaching jobs, which I think would make sense. He's been a head coach before. I don't think he's going with Kelly. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see about Jeff Quinn and Dell Alexander. But, I mean, the assistants that we've named tonight, I think, are probably the assistants that we were – and we didn't even mention John McNulty staying on as well. That was also reported by Blue and Gold Illustrated. Uh, there's too much that's been reported for us to, to touch it all almost. But, like, all the assistants that you wanted to see, see stay on boards, I, I would anticipate an announcement on Mike Mickens also coming out here in the short term too with his boy Marcus Freeman getting the job. Um this is this is insane. It truly is, and um, I mean, you you played the clip from Tommy Reese earlier. What a what a just like a, a character arc for Tommy Reese in in the in the viewpoint of Notre Dame fans, where there probably has not been a more criticized figure outside of the guy that just left the Baton Rouge in the last twenty years at Notre Dame. And now he's a beloved figure, and you literally had people tweeting hashtag pay Tommy Reese tonight. And then you saw in that video just how much this place means to him. I mean, he's getting emotional saying this is home. This is where I want to be. And, uh, I mean, that's that's a guy you want to root for. And so that's 
there's nothing more I can say about that other than that it just truly warms my heart and um I know it excites a lot of people around this program. I mean, hell, it excites me for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rocco Spindler quote tweeted and said, Foxhole guy. And that's perfect. Like, he's a guy you want in your corner. And that emotion was real, it was raw. What he's done as the offensive coordinator in our name has been really impressive. I know he gets a lot of criticism from people who should not be criticizing him. But look, man, the foundation is there. This is a much different coaching search than what we had way back in 2010. Well, I guess it started in 2009, right? Yeah. And one person we didn't even mention that might be, honestly, one of the most critical of all, Matt Bayless, the director of strength and conditioning at Notre Dame. I don't know if that's his actual title. Uh, But anyway, yes, strength and conditioning coach at Notre Dame, who's been absolutely critical ever since he was hired following the 4-8 and debacle in 2016. And when he made his announcement to the team, that was sort of the first domino to fall. Because at that point, it had been nothing but bad news around Notre Dame after Kelly had left. And then he said, I'm staying. He actually went so far to say he will die at Notre Dame, which he said. He went full Joey McGuire. Yeah, he goes. And this is where I want to be. I, I want to die. If I can die coaching you guys in here for the rest of my life, this is where I want to be. Arguably the most strength and conditioning coach thing you could possibly ever say. He's probably not the last or the first person to say, I want to die here on a rough day in South Bend. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, True. hell, I might've said that once or twice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, incredible. He went full Joey McGuire, who if you're not aware, is a new Texas tech coach. who said, I'm going to die at Texas tech. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, man. And as, as I'm seeing this now, like I know we're all over the place right now. I guess Garth Brooks is playing at Tiger Stadium uh, in in this summer or whatever, and it was Brian Kelly was asked about it in his press conference today. Thirteen hours ago, Kyle Hamilton's mom tweeted, "Damn, he took Garth too." She just quote tweeted that saying, it "Sounds like he only took Garth because <laughs> Garth Brooks started his stadium tour at Notre Dame Stadium three years ago." It's been nutty on the internet. Like I said, I can't keep my eyes off it. Um, but now it's it's all Notre Dame, and like I said, we'll get more. We'll get an official word from the university soon. It looks like there's still some details in the contract being ironed out, but all indications are that Marcus Freeman is going to be the next head coach at Notre Dame. Now, was this the right move? Earlier this week, I went on record saying that Luke Fickle would have been my top candidate, just given his impressive track record as a head coach at Cincinnati, and that information is critical. But Given the fact that Cincinnati is likely going to be in the college football playoff, how they got a game this Saturday against Houston, um, Notre Dame likely would have had to wait to get an answer from him, and there's no guarantee he would say yes. So we both agreed Marcus Freeman was the right move. Notre Dame didn't have time to waste. And now with the combination of Reese and Freeman, you keep your core intact. So the structure is sound, arguably the strongest been since um, the early 1990s. But we've already talked about the reaction. Why do you think that this was the right move for Notre Dame. Well, I'm glad you reminded me of what I said, because I was pretty sure I said it was Freeman, but there's been so much that's gone on the last 48 hours that I wasn't all that positive. Um, But in seriousness, this was the right move because it was the only way to keep this tidal wave of recruiting momentum that Notre Dame's had going, going. Um, Otherwise, what what were we even doing the last year? And I mean – that's why we can get into so much of this Brian Kelly thing not making any sense, but that's not what I want to talk about right now. But if, if you know, we weren't going to hire Marcus Freeman and keep Tommy Reese, why did we have this push in recruiting the last year? Would it even have been worth it? I mean, you saw 
five-star linebacker Jalen Sneed from South Carolina yesterday tell Matt Freeman of Irish Sports Daily that he would reopen his recruitment if Freeman was not named head coach. And Drake Bowen, the five-star linebacker in the 2023 class, said something very similar. Um, they were not going to be the only ones. Well, well, you don't want to hire a coach to appease one recruiting class. This class, the 2022 and the following one in 2023, seem different from any other classes in my lifetime and the type of classes that are going to get Notre Dame over that hump to, to actually win a national championship. Not following that momentum would have been incredibly wasteful and, and could have set this program back. Um, and, you know, that then think about who's on your own roster right now. <clears throat> You're trying to recruit back Isaiah Foskey, Kevin Austin, Joe Wilkins, Braden Lindsay, guys like that. If if everybody's gone, you're going to be at a serious roster depth issues next year. I, I mean, you're and you're going to lose some of your stars, the Adamalola brothers. Making this move just feels right. That's the best way I can describe it, and and it gives a young, hungry staff a, a fair shot at the night. I don't know if you saw the quote in Matt Fortuna and Pete Sampson's article today, but I thought it was spot on. Quote in this article today reads. There is a genuine belief among a large contingent of current Irish assistants that this program is in excellent position to succeed immediately and that having familiar, young, fresh blood at the head of the program could provide the jolt that Notre Dame needs to seriously compete for national titles and not just compete for playoff berths. If you look at what's transpired so far today, Obviously, they named Mark Stream the head coach, but I think that's why you see all these guys staying right now because they think this group can win a national title. They think they have the roster to do it, and they think they're building the roster to really get there. And, I mean, that's why they're all staying. So it's now you have a bunch of guys on staff who want to be at Notre Dame, and it's guys who want to win a national championship there too. As ridiculous as it sounds, like, has the program been in a in a more exciting spot than it is right now, even though we just lost our – Winning his coach in program history two days ago. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but this is the most excited I've been in, in a long time. And I guess the the closing point I would make about why this was the right move is Notre Dame has been about as stable a program there has been the last five seasons. And, and with that in mind, I think they can afford to take a risk. And that's what this is. It's a risk. You're hiring a guy who has not been head coach before. He's 35 years old. You're giving a 29-year-old a lot of autonomy running the offense, but, but this feels like it has the potential to finally get Notre Dame over the top. And it's, it's time to take a shot. And I think that that's what Notre Dame's doing with this hire. Could it fail? Sure. Does it have the potential to potentially really succeed? I think so. So um, that's, that's why I'm saying it's the right move. You make a good point there about how this is a risk because it is. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't have to tell you first time head coaches have not fared well at Notre Dame. Charlie Weiss did not go great. 35 and 27 record. Bob Davey, Lou Holtz's defensive coordinator, got promoted. I'm not saying Marcus Freeman is Bob Davey. I'm just saying Bob Davey, 35, 25. Jerry Faust, 30 and 26 record. In the past, this hasn't worked for Notre Dame, but the ask for Marcus Freeman is much different than the ask was for Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly was asked to rebuild a program. That's not what Notre Dame is asking of Marcus Freeman. And He doesn't have to build. He has to keep building on what is already a great structure, a great foundation, and the program has not reached its potential. I think we all know that. Freeman knows that too. But there is no substitute for experience, and this is an extremely difficult job. There's probably going to be some lumps. But I have to say, I feel very good about the position that Notre Dame is in because everyone else on the staff is staying put. Well, the main figures right now, again, some guys might leave. 
that's the point you made right there that I think is maybe the most ridiculous thing to me uh, of all of this. Or not ridiculous, but just remarkable. These guys have known Marcus Freeman less than a year. They've worked with him for less than a year, besides Mike Mickens, right? Yeah. And they're all staying, and they all have a ton of suitors. I mean, we had heard Tommy Rees. Obviously, we know LSU made him a lucrative offer. I had heard that there were some other suitors in play as well. Um, we know Mike Elston would be highly sought after. We know that Lance Taylor would be highly sought after. And they're all staying, and, and they have known this guy for less than a year. So I, this is just really an unprecedented groundswell of support for an internal candidate that I've never, I've never seen this before from every angle. And so I think at the end of the day, Jack Swarbrick was like, how can I say no to this? Cause it's one thing to just give in to the demands of your student athletes, which as we saw, every player was pushing for this. But when you have every angle like that and you're getting confirmation that, Hey, I'm going to stay too. And we're going to build this fucking thing. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. And I wanted to say something about all this, you know, support from players and recruits. Like you don't hire because of a recruiting class. That's bad business. That's right. That's not what you should do. And even with the players voicing their support, you shouldn't be bullied into a decision if you're Jack Swarbrick. I don't think that's the case here at all. I think Jack Swarbrick truly believed, and you know, the other important decision makers at Notre Dame, they truly believed in Marcus Freeman that although he doesn't have experience, because the structure is so sound, he's going to be able to continue to build on that going forward. And like you said, he's only been here 11 months. And the fact that all these coaches are willing to not necessarily ditch, but turn down their guy, like Mike Elson, who's been with Brian Kelly for over a decade. And he's willing to stay with a guy who's well younger than him, basically got a job that you could make a very compelling argument that he deserved as the defensive coordinator. And now he's supporting him. That takes buy-in from everyone on the staff. And you look at the entire roster, they all love him. He seems like a great coach, great guy, and he cares about the team. That's been a big detractment of Brian Kelly the past few days. Does he truly care? Now, Brian Kelly's had a ton of success, and we'll talk about him more later. His approach is obviously very different than that of Marcus Freeman's. Marcus Freeman's style, his personality, that seems way more in line with what current successful head coaches are. So I totally understand why everyone is very excited about him. And I think he's going to be successful. He brings a recruiting tenacity that we have not seen at the head coaching position in over a decade. Like he knows what needs to happen there. And you've got two guys, Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese. Both are under 35, and they're leading the way now for one of the most storied traditional programs of all time. This is so different than what we've seen at Notre Dame ever. And I think that's why a lot of people are excited. But with that said, We've already mentioned this is a risk. So what concerns you about this hire? And again, let's preface this by saying we fully support Freeman and we think he's going to do great. But let's not say that this is just a guaranteed home run. You know, this is going to go swimmingly for years. So let's talk about those concerns. It is inherently a risk. Like I said this earlier, you're hiring a 35-year-old who's never been a head coach and you're giving a lot more autonomy to your 29-year-old offensive coordinator. I mean, hell. A month and a day ago, this defense could not tackle against North Carolina. Uh, I mean, that was a nightmare that night. There's, there's no yeah. two ways about it. Give up 38 it. to Florida State, and they're horrible. Yeah, they were especially Re- horrible back then. There was a point, and this is again going to the whole in how crazy this season has been. After the Toledo game, we were chanting three man front" at a bar because 
And now that man is our head coach. <laughs> I forgot about the three-man front chant. I don't think yeah. anyone outside of, like, the three of us understood it, but as it goes yeah. with most of our chants. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I mean, the, the converse, uh, at the start of the year, Notre Dame experienced droughts on offense. Now, I don't think a lot of that was due to Tommy Reese. Uh, the offensive line was not performing at a high level. At, th- at that point in time, we could not run the ball. But it's really only been within the last month since coming out of the bye week that we've truly seen both these groups come alive and, and excite us. That's not to diminish anything they've done. Like I said, I'm fully on board with what Notre Dame's doing. It's exciting. But it is a risk. And, and you already brought up the stats of you know first-time head coaches at, at Notre Dame. But I think it's worth noting Charlie Weiss had spent just four years in any capacity of the college game and thought a Super Bowl rings would automatically translate to national championships. Similarly, Jerry Faust was a high school coach. Um, you know, some folks have tried to make the comparison between Freeman and Bob Davey, who was successful defensive coordinator before landing the Notre Dame job. But I just think Freeman coaches an entirely different era of football than any of those guys. So it's not really a good comparison to make. And I, I just saw this tweet from Adam Rittenberg. He was saying, getting some text about Marcus Freeman's age, 35, is a potential concern for Notre Dame. Dabo Swinney was 39 when promoted at Clemson. Lincoln Riley, 33 at Oklahoma. Ryan Day at 39 when promoted at Ohio State. If Freeman's the right guy, age won't matter. And I think that that's, that's fair. Um, I don't think that this is, you know, just a reactionary hire, which is what we brought up earlier in terms of recruiting. I think it helps recruiting, obviously, but it wasn't done just to save recruiting. Now, unfortunately, it came at an awful time right before National Signing Day as Luke Fickle, who is a guy that probably would have gotten a lot more serious consideration for this job, is is preparing for a conference championship and potential playoff appearance. But um, it's... I can take the risks with what I believe are the potential rewards here. Yeah, I agree with you. For me, the thing that comes to mind is there's truly no substitute for experience. And this is an extremely difficult job. Okay, like Freeman is going to have to deal with things he's never had to deal with in the past. And we know he's an excellent recruiter. He's shown that he's excellent at coming up with schemes. He's had success everywhere he's been and every job he's had. But a head coach has to coach the coaches, all the coaches, both sides of the ball. And that's much different than leading one side of the ball. How good is he at dealing with all the bullshit that comes with being the head coach at Notre Dame? Because I can assure you, there's a lot. There's a ton of politicking that comes to the job with the administration, with the board of trustees, boosters, alumni that think their shit doesn't stink. That's an important aspect of the job, even if it, it's harder for us to see that. And it's harder to see that translate to wins and losses on the field. But that stuff matters when it comes to resources, when it comes to, you know, getting stuff for the team. Basically, everything we've seen since Kelly left, alignment is a word that's been used a lot. And it suggests the fact that he had to ask the university for a lot. And it just, he probably got tired of hearing no. Right. And that's difficult. Another thing, how is he going to deal with criticism? Because right now, everything's great. Everyone's on board. Everything's great. Um, But how is he going to deal with criticism? Because it is coming. Um, it Maybe, might not we, be. We, <laughs> it might not find be in out, the short term. Yeah. Could find out real quickly when he plays his alma mater in his first game next year. Yeah, <laughs> like hypothetically, again, not saying this is going to happen, but say Notre Dame opens the season with the loss to Ohio State, a really good Ohio State team, and say they drop a game. I don't know. A few games later, they lose another one, and they don't start off that great. How is he going to deal with the adversity 
And it's just going to be interesting to see how he handles it. Now, look, I truly believe he's going to figure it out and excel. But these are legitimate concerns that have torn up many former Notre Dame coaches. Brian Kelly's been here for 12 years. It's the longest any coach has ever been at the university because the job wears out a lot of people. And it clearly wore down Brian Kelly. That's a big reason why he left. At this point, after everything we've heard, I think that goes without saying. I think it's going to be a great hire. But there are concerns here. And I think those are legitimate. Without a doubt. And I actually want to go back to the first time I ever met Marcus Freeman, the only time I ever met him. But Name that drop. was this <laughs> Yeah. Well it's it's actually really funny thinking it's really funny thinking on now because this was in July. And that morning we had interviewed Tommy to have him on the podcast. And Marcus and his wife were sitting right by me and my buddy at this Notre Dame Club of Chicago outing. All of a sudden, somebody comes on the loudspeaker and goes, all right, now Coach Freeman is going to come up for the next, I think, half hour and take pictures with anyone who wants him. And I look at him, and he just goes, you got to be kidding me. But he kind of laughs and then goes up. So, of course, get a picture with him. And uh, I kind of just tried to plant the seed a little bit. And I said, we had your counterpart, uh, Tommy Rezon, this morning. He goes, that's my guy. And it's funny how, what, five months later, that really came true. Because from what we understand, a big part of this was that those two were going to stay on together and, and lead, kind of just be the head coaches of their respective units. I, I would not have believed that it was going to happen this year when you told me that in July. But um, that is really funny to look back on because he's like, that's my guy. I love Tommy. And here we are now. They're clearly, you know, in Notre Dame for the long haul here. And when Marcus spoke that night, it was it was clear he wasn't bullshitting. He wanted to be at Notre Dame the way he spoke about that place. And you see Tommy get up there tonight and address the offensive players saying, this place is home. It means more to me. I mean, those are guys that, that you want to root for. And um, I think there have been a lot of questions the last couple of days about whether or not Brian Kelly ever felt that way about Notre Dame. And I don't know if that's fair or not, but I, what I can tell you is that it sure seems to me that Tommy Reese, Notre Dame means a whole hell of a lot to him. Otherwise, he would have been gone. And um, it's cool to have him still be on staff and, and have Marcus Freeman leading the charge with an energy that we really haven't seen in this place in a long time. Without a doubt, and we might not ever get the exact figures on Tommy Reese's salary now. Um, Notre Dame doesn't ever release their head coach's full salary because it's a private school. They keep that information private. But Freeman and Reese were both offered lucrative jobs at LSU. Um, there have been reports out there that Freeman would have been the highest paid assistant coach in all of football if he had taken the job at LSU. Now, obviously, he's probably getting a little bit more as the head coach at Notre Dame. But with Reese, I don't know. And what do you think? Do you think he was getting paid more or less in Notre Dame? I mean, did you see what LSU was apparently offering him? No, I did not. Was there a figure that's floating around? Yeah, it was in Samson and Fortuna's article this morning. I believe it was $1.5 million. Quite a lot. It would have made him the highest paid offense coordinator in the SEC. Again, lo- loyalty. It, it means something to some people. Um, I, I don't know. What, Brian Kelly? Maybe not. And um, These guys, though, clearly, they, they feel that they've built something special here. And why would they leave it right as they're really nearing kind of the the – peak opportunity for them to take it to the mountaintop. I think that that's what you're seeing here. And that's why all these other staff members are staying as well, because they've worked really damn hard to build this thing. So why the fuck would they bolt now? That's a great question. And I think 
that's a great way to transition into the Brian Kelly aspect of this because that's the question that's been on our minds. It's been on a lot of people's minds is why now? The timing doesn't make any sense. The fit doesn't make any sense. Again, we might not have all the information. There's been some reports of some tension between Brian Kelly and Jack Swarbrick. We don't know that right now. I'm sure there's going to be more information that comes out in the coming weeks, months, etc. But I think we should talk about his exit because last time we recorded, it was right after the news broke. Obviously, since that time has passed, Brian Kelly came back to South Brend, addressed the team. There was a video that circulated of his speech to the team. He just walked out. The room was dead silent. And then he left. And then now he's already at LSU. He's given a speech to that team. He's done his press conference. So a lot has happened since the last time we recorded. And I want to bring that up because to me, when he left, I interpreted it as him saying, I don't believe I can win a national championship at Notre Dame, which is crazy considering that Notre Dame is still very much in the college football playoff hunt. And it was a punch in the gut to me. In a way, it felt like... Um, kind of like how I feel pretty much after every time Notre Dame gets blown out in a college football playoff game where it's like, <clears> what am I even doing? This cyclical yeah. or this cycle of getting all excited during the regular season, you build up all this great hope, and then that hope gets shot down in the postseason by the Alabamas, the Clemsons, what have you, and then you're reminded like maybe Notre Dame just can't do it in the modern era. And that's how I felt earlier this week. I, I assumed that to have been Brian Kelly's reasoning to leave. That's how I felt then. I feel totally different now, given the response that we've seen from this team and from this coaching staff, where it's clear. I mean, Tommy Reese said it. Let's go win a fucking national championship in Notre Dame. He could have left. He truly believes it's possible here, as does the rest of the coaching staff. So, look, college football coaches, exits suck. There's no real good way to go about it. But how do you feel about how it's played out in the time since the news was first reported. It is what it is. Um, I'm over it, especially now that it appears we've kept the rest of the gang intact. It, uh, I really haven't been that upset with Brian Kelly to be, to be totally honest with you. And I think there's probably a couple reasons for that one. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pr- extremely appreciative of everything that he's done or did to, to build the program to the current state it's at. And I think another aspect of it is that I just really can't believe he did that still. So I, I, I don't know that I fully process it. Like I've, I, I've never experienced this, but what it's like a scene from a movie where like a kid walks home and his parents tell him that they're getting divorced. Like, it's just like, what do you mean? You're leaving? Like you're, you're gone. Like, it's just like, what, what is this? Um, and so I don't think I've really processed it fully yet that a guy that had been the coach since I was in eighth grade just decided after he finished his fifth straight 10 moon season, uh, you know what? Screw it. I'm out. I'm going to Baton Rouge, which why anybody would ever want to live in Louisiana is anyone's guess. Um, but I, I'm not really that upset with him. And, and frankly, I've kind of been annoyed by some of the fans just continuing to bitch about Brian Kelly. Like, cause you just kind of seem like the jealous ex-girlfriend, like who gives a shit? Let him go. I don't care. Like I, I get it. You're upset. And to some extent, you probably have a reason to be upset if you're a fan going every game. You spent a lot of money on this guy. I'm sure that, you know, uh, the Scott Malpasses and the Jimmy Dunn's of the world aren't letting him into Seminole and uh, in Augusta anytime soon either. But uh, it's it's like, I don't care. Uh, I get players and his staff being pissed because they were blindsided, but I don't have that right. It's just for me, 
I get it. It's college football, and, and that's just the way the sport in general is going. I don't like it. If anything, we can blame Michigan State and Mel Tucker for giving <laughs> that jackass ten $100 million. Uh, I saw some meme the other day that was hysterical. Basically, what the meme was was like, it was like Tom Izzo putting on a walk-on on the team in 19... 19- 89 and it was like the domino thing where the <laughs> like coaching carousel yeah, just yeah, I got you. I know to me. Yeah. Uh anyways, so yeah, I blame Michigan State for inexplicably moving the market by giving Mel Tucker a hundred million dollars and everybody reacting. And Notre Dame either wasn't prepared to react or they from what I've seen the last couple of days, just didn't want to react. It seemed like Jack Swarbrick might have been just kind of done with Brian Kelly and vice versa. Uh, I don't know what was going on there, but Seemed like a lot of parties in Notre Dame were like, all right, that's fine. Just go on. And, and I can get wanting to be wanted like Brian Kelly was, but it seemed like Jack Swarbrick was not interested in that. And um, I think Swarbrick's aggressive hire, really, of Marcus Freeman kind of confirms that for me even more. If he had done something like a Luke Fickle or a Matt Campbell, I, I might have thought that, okay, he kind of screwed up this Kelly situation, but – him going to Freeman and Reese here, like as aggressively as he has, maybe makes me think that he was very much on board with this or, or okay with it at least. I mean, he said he saw it coming. I don't know if that was just, you know, saying that publicly or not, but um, I don't know. It's it's very interesting. But I know I kind of just rambled a bunch there, but that's how I feel. Uh, it's a it's still a situation we're processing. I can't believe that he's wearing purple and gold and Baton Rouge, and I don't know how well he's going to fit in down there, but. Listen, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna wish him ill. Like I honestly think he'll win a national title down there. I do, and and people are keep saying they're he's gonna go seven and five. I think you're sadly mistaken. He's a damn good coach. He might be a prick, but he's a damn good coach. <laughs> you know, to me, the only people who really have the right to be pissed off are the players first and foremost. They do, and the coaches who are completely blindsided, the ones who are out on recruiting trips and found out on Twitter. I get that. Okay, and we've said before, we're Kelly guys. We're probably going to get some people saying, oh, they're, you know, Brian Kelly stands, whatever. They've always defended him. Of course, they're going to defend him here. And look, you know what? I'll admit, Brian Kelly, probably more of an asshole than we let on. Okay, we defended him. He definitely, him. he might have he fooled us a little bit. Yes. I won't lie. All right, and if you are set, if you get some validation out of the way that Brian Kelly has handled his exit because he's come off, is a giant asshole. I'm not disputing that. And if you feel better about yourself because you said he was a jerk and he's proven to be a jerk, okay. Cough, cough, Brian Driscoll. <laughs> All right. We're calling him out by name. But those same people were also calling for him to be fired because they didn't like his personality. And then over the past five years, what did Notre Dame do? They went 54-9. and nine. And you can't deny that Brian Kelly was instrumental in all of that. And don't get me wrong. He's clearly got his flaws, and the flaws are being showcased on a national stage. The game is the game, okay? I'm sure that Kelly would have wanted to be the first person to tell his players, but that's not how this works. Leaks don't come from him. He wasn't texting Pete Thamel saying, I'm out, okay? This is how it works. The two sides are close to a deal. The school has to contact the boosters and the moneymakers to figure out Who's paying for that $100 million contract that's going to Brian Kelly? We start to get word that there's mutual interest on both sides. And you know who likes to talk? Boosters. They like to flex. So then that information gets leaked. 
And then Kelly's in the situation that he was in. He knows that. He's done it before. It sucks. It's the price you pay that. Now, the recruiting thing, though, is a little bit questionable. Oh, how he's in a recruit's home? Yeah. Yeah, well, at least he didn't pull the Tommy Tuberville where he was on a dinner with a recruit and his family. Was that at a Texas Roadhouse? I think it was. Oh, he did that at a Texas Roadhouse. That's <laughs> devastating. As a former employee, that's gutless. We don't approve of that kind of activity in our restaurant. But I, I, mean, I might be making that up, but I think it was. No, I, I do. I no, do. we're saying it's we're saying it's Texas Roadhouse. I'm on yeah. board with that. Uh, so look, if you think he should have waited, then he pro- he probably gets passed up. Look, you can be mad at him for the speech. I get that that the speech wasn't great. I'm not trying to defend that at all. Still, don't think it should have been leaked. Yeah, I didn't like that. No, I, and look, the players don't owe Brian Kelly shit at all. Um, like I said, the players have every right to be pissed at him, but it's still weird when guys are. Sending screenshots that are thing that Brian Kelly sent in the teamwork chat and then the, the video. I don't know. I think personally, if you were to pull every player on the team, if you like that or not, I think most players would say that was kind of a weak move, but we don't know. But look, the way this thing works out, if you want to get mad at someone, just be mad at college football and how this shit is structured. Right. Because the national signing day is less than three weeks away. There's no time to waste if you're the coach. If you're going to accept this job, you have to do it ASAP because you got to build your staff. <laughs> Looks like Kelly's going to take a while to build a staff, yeah. and you got to get recruits. There's no time to waste. It sucks. It sucks most for the players. It's unfair to them for sure. College football needs to take a look at this and see if this can be changed. But this is the reality of the situation. There's no real good way to exit. That's my counterpart, I guess. And, hey, if you disagree with me, hit me up on Twitter, yeah. at Tyler Wojcik. Let me know what you would have done differently there in that situation, given all of the circumstances that I laid out that you really don't have control of regarding leaks. I just think the speech could have been done better. It felt like it was self-serving to Brian Kelly. I'll give you that. He's probably more of an asshole than we let on. I'll give you all that. But he also did a ton for Notre Dame. And I know it's not fun to like compliment Brian Kelly. But look, the situation is what it is. The game is the game. And now here we are. I think it's time to just get over it. I agree. And I think back to what I was saying earlier, just I don't really like the direction college football is going, to be honest with you. Uh, there's too much money. There there just is. These coaches. Dude, Hugh Freeze is getting paid $4 million a year at Liberty. Yeah, he's a bum. Um, and it, this is turning into like NBA free agency, and, and I don't mean that in, a, in an endearing light. Like you had the coach of Oklahoma and Notre Dame. I said this on our last episode. They left within 24 hours of each other for, I mean, nobody had ever done it at either of those schools, right? It's insane. Um, And I just don't like the way this thing is going, and it's going to even keep getting worse with the 12-team playoff, everything else. Um, It's not good. Um, And I don't know what the answer is, but um, it's not good. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong. We love college football, man. and We love talking about it. We love watching it as I'm sure everyone listening does as well. But it might be the most flawed sport there is. Most flawed major sport. Would you? It's hard to argue it's not. I mean, it's certainly up there. It's it's uh, The games are great. Everything else around it, I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, and in stuff like this, again, the players are the ones that are most affected. They have every right to be pissed off at Kelly. I, I totally understand that. And you know what? I'm happy for the guys in the Notre Dame team who really wanted Freeman, they get their guy. It looks like they're going to rally around him. And you know what? I sure as hell would not want to play this Notre Dame team in the playoff. 
Not at all. Okay. And yeah. look, this might not be a team that's more talented than the team that was in the playoff last year. It might not even be more talented than the team in 2018. But as Matt Bayless said in his video when he addressed the team and told him of his intentions to stay, an angry team is a dangerous team. And this team is dangerous. Wouldn't it be something to ruin Georgia's first best chance at a title since 82? Those fuckers. Um, <laughs> sorry. I actually like the dogs, but not this yeah, year. Yeah, I was going to say, we have photo evidence of you <laughs> in a Georgia Bulldogs polo at the first game of the season. Yeah, it's true, which would really be a full circle thing, right? If they ended up playing each other in the playoff or in Natty and Indy, if real chaos breaks loose. But, yeah, I don't know, man. You're right. I would not want to play this Notre Dame team right now. Obviously, we have evidence of what happened the last time that Brian Kelly left the team and they played in a major bowl game. Uh, they lost to Tim Tebow by, like, 50 points, but somewhat and different. Jeff Quinn. Talent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeff Quinn is not going to be the head coach, thank God. Uh, dude, I don't know, man. This is just uh, – I mean, I felt that way even before all the news came today that – if this team was going to get a shot, I wouldn't want to play him. But now it's like, holy shit, all these guys are staying. Like, it's the Christmas season now. It's December 1st as we're doing this. I'm getting, like, flashbacks to the scene from It's It's a Wonderful Life where everybody's throwing in money to help George Bailey to the point where you even have, like, you know, the cop and the auditor throwing out their arrest, their warrant for his arrest and throwing in money of their own to help him out. Everybody wants to stay at Notre Dame. Everybody wants to be a part of this except Brian Kelly. Uh, and I wouldn't want to play this team. I would not. So whatever you do, Michigan, do not lose to Kirk Ferentz. Luke Fickle, don't be pissed off. You didn't get this job and, and don't lose to Houston. Uh, Baylor, I, I don't know, Oklahoma State. I, I'd be I'd be wary of that backup quarterback. Just do not give this this team a chance of the night or there will be hell to pay. I agree. I want Notre Dame to be in the playoffs so much more now just mm-hmm. because this team is so pissed off and I think they rally around the guys they have. And maybe the craziest thing in this endless cycle of crazy things about this Notre Dame football program right now is that all of a sudden Notre Dame is the sympathetic underdog, which that's never happened and it shouldn't happen in the history of college football. But then once Gary Barda went on the college football rankings reveal and said that Brian Kelly's departure could impact. And now he didn't say it, it will, but it could. And I think a lot of people were rubbed the wrong way and hell, I, I agree with them. Like, I think it's ridiculous that this current team should be penalized because their coach up and left for more money. That's not fair to the players. That's not fair to the team. And it doesn't affect what they did on the field this year. So now it feels like the general public, the national media, people who have repeatedly taken every opportunity to just talk shit about Notre Dame are actually rooting for them now. And this would be an incredible story. But I truly believe that given the state of the program right now, if they get in, this team is dangerous. And look, they are not more talented than Georgia. Like, let's let's get that out of the way. They might not even be the most talented team out of, you know, the other teams that make it in the college football playoff. But this team looks inspired, and they look ready to go, and they look ready to prove it. And if they get in and they win a game, hell, if they win one game, that in itself is such an incredible story. And, my God, I am rooting for it to happen with every fiber of my being. And there is a very real chance that it does happen. Yeah, 
No, there's there's no question about it. Um, and you mentioned all the people now rooting for Notre Dame that have always you know kind of ripped on him. Fuck them too. I don't I don't want them <laughs> on my side. <laughs> like just get out of here. Just because oh na- because now it's an opportunity for them to say more bad things about Brian Kelly. Fuck you. Just get out of my life. Uh, anyways, um, but I agree. I I would love to see this team get a chance and. To be totally honest with you, I actually somewhat understood the way that the bylaw was written about the absence of a coach, stuff like that, because hell, like 24 hours ago, we weren't sure there was going to be a staff in place to coach this team. And now, obviously, they're all staying, which you would potentially argue now actually should have the inverse impact on the committee and say, oh, wow, this team is fired up. Maybe we do want them in there. So. I don't know. It's going to be crazy, but uh, I'm here for it. And whatever happens, happens. We just need a little bit of help. Uh, I wish that the help wasn't coming from the Iowa Hawkeyes or from uh, a Baylor a Baylor team without their quarterback in all likelihood or, or Houston, but it could happen, man. It could happen, and uh, when it does, I'll be there. All right, love it. All right, before we wrap up, we got two more bits of news coming out. Tom Loy from 24-7 Sports is reported that Mike Mickens will return as cornerbacks coach at Notre Dame, and Chris O'Leary will return as safeties coach for Notre Dame. So <laughs> the dominoes continue to fall, and lately it's all been going in Notre Dame's favor. But wow. that'll do it for this episode of Sons of Saturday Irish. Uh, thank you guys for listening. It's been a crazy week, and there is probably a lot more to happen in the coming days and weeks, so we will be back soon. I don't know when it will happen, but I can assure you it's going to be soon. Um, give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sons of Sat Irish. And uh, hey, we'll see you when we see you.